0: Welcome to IFL Science The Big Questions, the podcast where we invite the experts to explore the biggest mysteries of science with your host, Dr. Alfredo Carpinetti. What we eat plays a massive role in our well being, and it is only natural to wonder how that affects our body's natural defense mechanism. So, our big question today is how does your diet impact the body's ability to fight diseases? To answer it, we're joined by Dr. William Lee, physician, scientist, president and medical director of the Angiogenesis Foundation, and author of It To Beat Disease, The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself. Dr. Lee, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Can you tell us about uh, who you are and what you do?
1: Yes, thank you, Alfredo. It's a pleasure to be on. So uh, I'm a physician, internal medicine, which means I take care of men and women, young and old, healthy and sick. And my orientation has always been to try to preserve health, maintain people's health. And when people fall off the rooftop of health, to try to get them back on uh, as best as possible. I'm also a scientist, a research scientist. Um, I spent the last 30 years studying a field called angiogenesis angio, blood, blood vessel, Genesis, how they grow. Um, and so I, uh, I'm a sort of an expert in circulation is my area of research. I'm also an author. I wrote a book, uh, the New York Times bestseller called Eat to Beat Disease, and a new book coming out called Eat to Beat Your Diet, which is really all about um, how the science of the body informs how our food uh, affects it. And this comes from my background in biotechnology. I've spent almost three decades working with biotechnology to develop new treatments for cancer, complications of diabetes, and vision loss. And so my whole emphasis throughout my career has been developing the scientific evidence that allows us to know, uh, know, uh, using the principles of science, how something actually works.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Can we start by if you can tell us a bit about uh, angiogenesis? and uh, what's its role in many diseases
1: right so first of all androgenesis is really the process our body grows blood vessels and these blood vessels actually form a defense system in our body and let me explain how that works there's about 60,000 miles worth of blood vessels in your body and in mine most adults and this is an extensive network these are the highways and byways by which the oxygen that we breathe into our lungs is delivered to our cells. This is also um, uh, the the channels by which, when we eat nutrients um, or take medicines, frankly, uh, that that they deliver the medicines also to our organs, our cells, and our tissues. So, having this channel is absolutely vital for our health. Now, what happens, and why is it co- called a defense system? Well, what happens when you don't have enough blood vessels? Our organs starve. They don't have enough oxygen and nutrients. And we know this happens if you have a stroke and you don't have enough blood vessels, your brain tissue dies. If you have a heart attack, you don't have enough blood vessels growing, your heart tissue dies. If you don't have enough blood vessels growing your leg, you get gangrene, uh, toes turn black, and you're actually, and you need to have an amputation. So we kind of know the importance of recirculation. circulation when there's not enough, you want to grow more or bypass. On the other hand, there's this whole other uh, side of the equation where you have too many Blood vessels more than you need. And that becomes equally dangerous when you have an an overage, an excess, because too many blood vessels can actually feed disease. What do I mean by that? Well, turns out that microscopic cancers are pretty common in the body, but they're entirely harmless because they don't have their own blood supply. So they sit as microscopic, pinpoint size uh, tumors until your immune system wipes them out. But that's because they don't have a blood supply. So, Healthy bodies have just the right amount of circulation. Androgenesis that grows the circulation is a defense system. Not too f- a few, not too many, kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears, just the right amount. And when you don't have enough or you have too much, your body is out of balance, your defenses are down, and you're more vulnerable to disease. And this is where both medicines, but especially foods can make a difference.
0: Very, very interesting. So. The whole point uh, that diseases that are caused uh, by endogenesis when that becomes imbalanced. Uh,
1: that is actually correct, and this is a true principle for many of the health defenses in our body as well. And you know, I wrote about five of them in my book *Eat to Beat Disease*. And really, our health defenses were formed when we were still in our in our mom's womb. So when our mom's egg met our dad's sperm. And we became a ball of cells that ultimately developed ears and chins and knees and livers and lungs. Throughout that process, so too formed our body's health defense system. So we were hardwired at the moment of birth from our very first breath to have these health defenses firing in all cylinders to protect us from harms inside the body, things that can go awry. We need to have balance, maintain that balance and you maintain your health, but also from uh, uh, harms from outside of the body, including in our environment. You know, and we live now increasingly in a degraded environment, making our health defenses even more important than before.
0: Um, I'm aware that uh, there are um, anti angiogenic drugs that can... uh, um well, fight uh, some of these imbalance, uh, And some of them are being tested in several clinical trials uh, um, when it comes to fight uh, cancer. And uh, some of these trials are also using uh, them uh, together with other immunotherapies, uh, uh, drugs that can help fight tumors. What are the expectations from these scientific inves- investigations?
1: Yeah, well, actually since the nineteen late 1980s, I've been involved with uh, pushing and helping and fostering the development of anti-angiogenic drugs from cancer. So the good news is that after all these decades of effort, we actually have about a dozen approved drugs used to treat cancer showing survival benefit, all right? So we already know that they work. Uh, one of the other major spheres of cancer research has developed successfully Immunotherapies. Now, the, you know, immunotherapies work on if antigenesis therapies work on a one aspect of our defense systems. Immunotherapies work on another defense that also our diet affects, and that's our immune system, right? Who has not thought about our immune system, your immune system, in the last two or three years, right, uh, with what uh, the whole world has gone through? However, most people think about the immune system as protecting us from infections from the outside world, right? But it turns out our immune system is equally important, if not more important, for protecting us from harms inside the body. By that, I mean cancer. So these little tiny microscopic tumors that form in our bodies from childhood. By the way, here's the little a um, uh, uh, footnote f- for your uh, viewers and listeners. We all form microscopic cancers. We all live mm-hmm. with uh, cancer as m- m- invisible disease. And the reason is because cancers form from mutations in the body. And we have... Um, uh, uh, we've got 40 trillion cells in our body, and they all have to divide, reproduce, replicate themselves in order for us to maintain alive. So this is why we're here tomorrow uh, and and the next day. Turns out that as the DNA, our DNA replicates, reproduces itself um, at a small scale, it tends to do it perfectly. But at a large scale, 40 trillion times, mistakes get made. And in fact, this has been calculated that our DNA on a daily basis, every 24 hours makes up to 10,000 mistakes every single day. Each of these mistakes is like a misspelled word in a, in a document that we're typing, okay? And fortunately, our body has a spell check and that spell check fixes these errors and and, and lowers the risk of actually having developing uh, cancer. Some of them already, of course, will actually escape the spell checker and form a microscopic tumor. Without a blood supply, androgenesis defense, it can't grow. But then what happens is that these little microscopic tumors, which don't cause disease, sit there like a time bomb, frankly. But then our immune system swings by our immune cells, conduct surveillance. What I say, it's like a cops on a beat, policemen patrolling the streets of a good, healthy neighborhood and seeing like the drug dealer sitting on the street corner, maybe not doing anything, but what our immune system does is picks up, pick up that errant, microscopic cancer, and puts them in the cellular paddy wagon and takes them away. And that's basically how our body cleans up cancers that form inside our body all the time. So immunotherapy, which is um, also an approved treatment that can improve survival in some types of cancers, actually is being hailed really as one of the major revolutions for cancer treatment. This is perhaps the most natural way of treating cancer, not by poisoning the body with chemotherapy in hopes of getting a little more tumor, but actually by activating, unleashing our own immune system to go do what I talked about that cop on a beat better. So we can go after even established cancer. So this actually works pretty well, but not in every patient foods can actually make, by the way, immunotherapy work better. This has actually been shown in some very large scale clinical trials, but let's talk about the anti androgenesis because these two defenses actually work together. turns out, that when large cancers are growing, they've already recruited a private blood supply. Now the difference between an avascular, a blood vessel, a tumor that lacks blood vessels uh, sitting there, and this has been studied in the lab and frozen in size, when the blood vessels actually reach it, because the tumor cancer cells can release natural fertilizers. These are angiogenic factors. They hijack our system. When When new blood vessels grow into this tiny microscopic cancer, the tumor can grow 16,000 times in volume in just two weeks. It's an explosive feeding and nurturing of the cancer. That makes sense, right? With no food, you can't grow. With food, you suddenly allow propulsive growth. Now, what happens is that the immune system has to spot these as well. The bigger the cancer, the easier it's to spot. Makes sense. If you're a hunter out there, you you see the big animal, it's a lot easier to see than the mosquito. All right? Now... The interesting thing is that the tumors releasing these growth factors to recruit blood vessels also do something very sneaky. These same growth factors that attract blood vessels to them also repel the immune cells. So even though you've got blood vessels, the factors, the proteins, these are vascular growth factors repel. Okay. They, they kind of disguise the cancer and then they prevent your immune cells from getting into that tumor. So anti-angiogenic therapy not only cuts off the blood supply to the growing tumor, thereby starving it, but it also decreases this repulsive force, you know, sort of like the repulsion of immune cells. So you hit two targets at the same time. You get rid of these extra blood vessels and you allow immune therapies to penetrate better. So the expectation for these very exciting studies is that you can take immunotherapy that works already very well in some patients and make it work better Partly because you're starving the cancer, and partly because you're allowing more immune cells to penetrate and attack the cancer. That is fantastic. Well, I can only say let's
0: hope that uh, uh, those expectations are met and surpassed. One of your theses shows the importance of uh, obviously not just fighting uh, cancer and tumors when uh, they're already established, but since you mentioned uh, how it is so common to have uh, microscopic tumors, uh, the importance of prevention. So, with that in mind, uh, how can diet impact uh, angiogenesis?
1: Right. Well it's really important to understand that prevention is something that is in the hands of individuals, citizens, uh, ordinary people like you and me, which is when prevent the, the line has passed with prevention, that's in the hands of the doctors and the health systems and the medical centers. And so prevention is actually something that doesn't, isn't the responsibility of the health systems. That's very important to understand. It actually flips the uh, uh, the equation to to actually put it onto giving us the opportunity, ordinary people. And this is where actually food comes into play. We know we've known since the nineteen seventies that cancer is preventable because the development of cancers is, is, involves many different stages. You know, like when you construct a building, a, a skyscraper, you start with the ground floor, you build the foundations, and then you start building every floor up, 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 up. And so too a cancer grows. You start from the ground floor in the body. The cancer needs to establish its footing and then it can actually get bigger and bigger, and bigger. And every single layer, every floor, that every story that the t- tumor gets bigger and more aggressive is an opportunity that when you finally get a big skyscraper, you have to really kind of destroy it using more powerful drugs, including anti and immunotherapy, but traditionally chemotherapy and radiation. Okay. So what's the opportunity to prevent it in the first place? Well- you know you really don't want to be talking about drugs because drugs have side effects they're not ex- universally accessible and uh, they're expensive and you know we can't possibly afford to treat everyone who might develop cancer with an expensive drug enter the dietary approach we've known for years bad diets can promote cancer so for example the world health organization has recognized processed meats high consumption as a carcinogen and it's and it's uh, uh, associated with the development of uh, of different forms of especially gastrointestinal cancers. So we know bad things that you eat can actually make cancers grow. We're now beginning to discover that eating beneficial foods, certain foods can also prevent cancers from growing. And this has been shown in the laboratory, been shown in clinical studies and been shown in large population studies. Let me give you a couple of examples. And by the way, some of these may surprise you um, because of the urban legend that actually surrounds food and health. There's so many well-intentioned people that come up with ideas and spread them through, you know, the social media that some of the ideas that are maybe not rooted in science become sort of the lore. And this is one of the things that I try to do uh, is to try to address some of the urban legends and try to bring the science to the table, right? Let me tell you something. So. Many women have will have heard that if you have had a history of breast cancer or you're trying to prevent cancer, you should avoid soy at all costs. tofu, soy milk, soybeans. there's a um there's a common belief in the public in the mainstream that soy eating soy is dangerous for uh, women uh, uh, because of because of breast cancer. The reason that it is given is that soys have a phytoestrogen, a plant-based estrogen, and some human breast cancers are sensitive to estrogen. So, The idea was that if you want to avoid at all costs, anything that we could spark an estrogen um, uh, dependent cancer, you want to avoid soy. Now that's not true. It turns out that, um, uh, and by the way, even oncologists, even doctors actually start quoting that uh, urban lore. So here's the real science. It turns out that it is true some human breast cancers are responsive to estrogen, not all but some, and and it turns out that it's true that uh, soybeans contain a phytoestrogen, a plant-based estrogen, but if you compare the chemical structure of the plant estrogen with the human estrogen, left and right, they look nothing alike, and in fact, it turns out, according to science, that the plant estrogen blocks the human estrogen. It's mother nature's tamoxifen, which is used to treat breast cancer uh, frequently. The other thing that that the plant estrogen does, the phytoestrogen does, and we've identified them, Genistein is the name of one of them. These are called bioactives, found mother nature's pharmacy, not with a PH, but with an F, pharmacy. Turns out that mother nature's pharmacy with genistein has developed something that not only blocks estrogen receptors in human breast cancer cells, but it also is anti-androgenic. And I've actually done research on this to show potently that the phytoestrogen in soy prevents tumors from growing blood vessels. Now, that's nice in the laboratory. It's been published over and over again. There's no doubt that this actually is a true scientific fact. What about in humans? What, what happens You know, when the rubber meets the road? Well, there was a paper published in 2009. Okay, so this is not new information, but it's not well known yet. But in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is one of the you know uh, gold standard journals for medical research. And it's called the Shanghai Breast Cancer Study, Women's Breast Cancer Study. And they studied 5,000 women who are at the highest risk for breast cancer. And these are women who already have breast cancer. And they studied how much soy they had. And when they found that those women who ate more soy had 30% better survival, less mortality. Okay. And they also, if they had their cancer successfully treated, those women who ate more soy had um, about 30% um, uh, reduction in the rate of recurrence of the cancer as well. It doesn't come back. So, uh, and then, and then, you know, a critic would say, well, that's just one study. So now there's meta-analyses in which they've looked at 14 consecutive studies, looking at soy, breast cancer and mortality. And in no case, zero case, is soy consumption associated with more death. And in every case, consumption of soy is associated with better survival. So that's a very, very compelling uh, a set of data to show that soy can improve, um, can inhibit angiogenesis, um, it's beneficial to women, and actually can actually improve survival and outcomes in a particular form of cancer that people care about, breast cancer. Same is true for prostate cancer um, with tomatoes. Uh, uh, Eating cooked tomatoes, two to three servings of cooked tomatoes a week has been shown to reduce the risk of prostate cancer in men by about 29%, almost 30%. And this has been studied in more than 30,000 men over 25 years to look at this correlation. So again, when you go into the lab, like I have and studied what's in a tomato, we've identified one of the molecules called lycopene. It's a carotenoid helps to make the tomato red, and it's a powerful anti-androgenic uh, substance that cuts off the blood supply feeding cancers. Just two examples.
0: That is fantastic and uh, makes me feel very happy given that I'm Italian and I'm constantly having uh, cooked tomatoes on everything. That is great news. Uh, thank you so much for those uh, two examples. Uh, and I've heard of other um, studies, for example, in mice, uh, looked at cal- calorically restricted diets, uh, which appears to slow down tumors. And there, are, I know other studies looking at uh, other anti-angiogenic diets, uh, etc. So, as you discuss, it's clear that uh, uh, many products that we eat and drink increase the risk of diseases. Others, as uh, mentioned, soy, tomatoes, uh, um, appears to be preventative or at least uh, give us a uh, reduction in risk uh, or reduction of a recurrence of a disease. So our big question uh, for this episode, how does one diet impact the ability to prevent disease and how does one's diet impact the ability to fight diseases?
1: Right. So... Um, I think you're getting at two different things that are related. <clears throat> when it comes to food and health, what I my research has uncovered, it's not just about the food because we hear so much, you know, in the uh, the the realm of uh, of marketing. Uh, you know, there's this super food, there's this super supplement, and and these are mostly marketing messages there's no such thing as really a superfood or a super supplement it's really the human body that's quite remarkable mm-hmm. it's a super body and so when it comes to food and health what i say it's not just about the food it's about how our body responds to what we put inside it and if you put certain foods in and 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 strengthen your health defenses you're much less likely to develop diseases like cancer, but also other diseases, many other diseases as well, including obesity, metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular disease, the list goes on. If you have already developed the disease, the horse is out of the barn, so to speak. Foods still make a big impact. And we've seen this perhaps most profoundly in cancer. we talked about immunotherapy earlier. And one of the big frustrating things about immunotherapy is that, in some cases, like in my mother, my own mother's case, um, she was 80 years old, diagnosed with cancer of the uterus, endometrial cancer, and it had spread throughout her body. And, his, and and in the past, that would have been untreatable. Frankly, for somebody so elderly, wouldn't have been able to tolerate chemotherapy. But we gave her just a little bit of radiation, and we gave her immunotherapy, activated her immune system, and with three treatments only, over the course of nine weeks never receiving chemotherapy at all. And with no side effects in her case, all of her cancer disappeared completely. And she's alive and well, uh, eight years later, uh, so well that her oncologist isn't even following her anymore. She's, she's absent of disease. So we're beginning to see if you have a good, strong uh, response to your immune system, we can achieve things even at an elderly age that we would have thought impossible a get decade ago. However. Only 20% of people respond in such a dramatic, positive way. We want 100% of people to respond Mm -hmm. that way. Okay, And and although this field of immunotherapy led to the awarding of the Nobel Prize in 2018, the reality is that we still are beginning to make big discoveries of how to make this work better. With diet, it turns out that um, a colleague of mine... Uh, Dr. Laurence Zitvogo at the Institut Gustave Roussy in Paris, which is one of the most influential cancer research centers in Europe, found in 200 patients who were getting immunotherapy for various cancers that uh, those who responded well had the beneficial desired outcome. When you looked inside their gut microbiome, regardless of the cancer, okay, had a particular organism healthy gut bacteria called achermansia mucinophila. One healthy gut bacteria was responsible, for, seemed to be correlated with their response. Mm. The people who didn't respond had no achermansia They were absent this one bacteria. Now, obviously responding to uh, uh, immunotherapy is, has to be more than one bacteria present or missing, but the impact of this bacteria was st- studied in the laboratory and then back in the clinic. It turns out that this bacteria, Acromansia mucinophila, which is a normal healthy gut bacteria that are very sensitive to antibiotics. Think about how many patients take antibiotics out there. Very easy to get rid of them. This bacteria communicates with the immune system. Now, when I went to medical school, I was taught that your immune system lives in the thymus gland and your spleen, it leaves in your bone marrow. Turns out that the immune system, 80% of it is actually in the wall of our intestines. Most of our immune system lives in the gut. Now, what else lives in the gut is the bacteria. So the bacteria live inside the gut, but the immune system lives in the wall of the gut. So think of a garden hose you cut in half. The bacteria is inside the hose, but the immune system's inside the structure of the, of the hose itself. So just so they talk to each other. Acromancy can talk to the immune system, just like college roommates living in a dormitory with very thin walls can shout at each other, uh, you know, to order the pizza for the evening, right? So this is what actually happens. Acromancia plays a critical role in activating and instructing the immune system. Now, you cannot really take acromansia probiotics. There's no easy way to replace acromansia, but you can grow it with food. This is what's remarkable. Food as medicine can help grow acromansia. What are the things that are known to grow uh, acromansia? Well, acromansia loves to live in the mucus in your gut. And there's certain foods that will help grow the this mucus. Pomegranates, pomegranate juice, cranberry, cranberry juice, and grape, conquered grape juice, are all known to actually grow acromantia by helping the gut secrete mucus. Now I've done this with patients that have been on antibiotics and you measure in their poop, you know, their microbiome, zero acromantia, and then you put them on a dietary regimen in, you know, three or four weeks, we've been able to grow six times above the Uh, population levels of acromantia. Then they go on to an immunotherapy and they become remarkable responders. Not a clinical trial, but based on the knowledge of the science, I've been helping patients this way, and we've had some really remarkable responses. So food as medicine, food and medicine, foods can make medicines work better. This is also true, by the way, um, uh, for uh, activating your immune system uh, uh, beyond the microbiome, uh, oh, another study, by the way, just let's talk about cancer again. MD Anderson showed that for, uh, in, again, for immunotherapy, that dietary fiber makes a huge difference. So they calculated in a study that people who are, for every six grams of dietary fiber that a cancer patient receiving immunotherapy receives, this is in patients with melanomas, deadly form of skin cancer, for every six grams, they, um, uh, of dietary fiber, they reduced their mortality by 30%, reduce mortality by 30%. Now, how much is in six grams per day of dietary fiber? Well, six grams is what you would get in an average size medium pair a day. Quite remarkable, right? So again, this is not food replacing medicine. This is not sort of that... I'm not a doctor going on a soapbox saying, you know, never mind your medicines. I actually help to develop medicines. What I'm saying is that food is a tool in the toolbox that we're beginning to really understand now, the biology, the mechanisms, the cellular, the molecular physiology of how this can actually not only help prevent disease, but to help make disease treatment even more efficacious. And you know, the thing that I, my new research now is really on human metabolism, because this is really the next level of where we're going. In my first book, I wrote about uh, the research I've done over the last 30 years, uh, which is really about health defenses. And what I've been doing more recently is thinking about the interconnection of our health defenses and a healthy metabolism, right? Because when a, when our metabolism is healthy, we wind up actually being able to resist diabetes and obesity and all the complications that come from that, including dementia. Uh, And so it turns out that metabolism is connected to our health defenses. They're linked together with our diet. And largely what we've thought about our metabolism is actually not correct either. The same way that there's these urban legends about soy, metabolism is also not true. So I'm very excited. My new book, Eat to Beat Your Diet, not a diet book. It's actually kind of a, it's a trick title. It sounds like a diet, but, but what it is, it shows you that you don't need a diet to actually improve your metabolism. And if you're interested in actually unleashing your potential for metabolism to get to a next layer of health, you can you, you can eat foods that activate, proactively activate and optimize your metabolism. And yeah, along the way, you will actually pair off excess body fat, um, maybe shrink your waistline as well, but overall attain a much higher level of health. So. We want to fight cancer. We want to fight blindness. We want to fight cardiovascular disease. Absolutely, but for those of us who want to also optimize our, main, you know, our our baseline health, right? People go to the gym, they uh, ride a bicycle, they uh, work out, and but you know, what about how do we use our our kitchen? Uh, how do we use our refrigerator? How do we use our pantry to actually optimize our diet? There's a way of working out our metabolism at the same time.
0: That is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and explaining uh, all of this to us and to our listeners. Thank you.
1: My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to IFL Science The Big Questions. Head over to iflscience.com and don't forget to sign up to our newsletter so you don't miss out on the biggest stories each week. Until next time, the content of this podcast is for informational purposes and not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of qualified health providers with questions you may have regarding medical conditions.